Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. We need to get into the Word. Luke chapter 4, verse number 43. Jesus said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Father, just add your blessing to the reading of your word. Touch me to be able to effectively communicate today. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was studying on the next red letters that I would be talking to you about and some of the things leading up to them, um, I was reminded once again of the global heart of Jesus. I mean, look here in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was tempted by the Spirit, was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil. He returned in the power of the Spirit in verse number 14. He made his declaration in verses 18 and verse number 19. Then we talked last week about what to do when people don't accept the call of God that's on your life. Then we talked about how that Jesus exited the situation. Jesus went to Capernaum and the Bible said that they were amazed at his doctrine. Well, while he was there, while he was there, the Bible said that uh, in verse 31, Jesus came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And while, and while they were in the synagogue, there was a man that had an unclean devil, and he cried out with a loud voice and said this, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know you who you are. You're the Holy One of God. The first thing that I want to kind of point out today is this. Satan recognizes the power of God. So if God really lives inside of us, and if God is really free to work through us and outside of us, then Satan should recognize the power that's inside of us. Just in this, in this verse 34 alone, he said that the, the demon spirit said, Let us alone. What do we have to do with you? You are Jesus of Nazareth. Are you come to destroy us? That admission lets you know that the demons knew that Jesus had the power to destroy them. Okay, and then it goes on and, and then the Bible says, I know who you are, you are the Holy One of God. So even the demons know and they tremble. So Satan recognized Jesus as the Son of God. Now listen to this, even when the people in Jesus' own hometown refused to recognize Him. We talked about that last week. Satan recognized the power that Jesus had. And here's something that I want you to understand. Satan is afraid of God. Satan's afraid of God. See, we've given the devil too much power. We've given him too much authority. We talk about him like he has all of this power and we talk about him like he has all of this authority. Can I just say right here, right now, that Satan is not going to be defeated. Satan has already been defeated. He is a defeated foe. He'll war against you. The only power that Satan has against a spirit-filled child of God is the power that we surrender to him because of his bluff and his deception towards us. You have power over the enemy. 
You can live above the works of the enemy. Satan is afraid of God. Jesus dismantled this demon with eight words. Here's what he said. He said, hold thy peace and come out of him. So in other words, he says, shut up devil and leave. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to tell the devil, shut up and leave. Tell him that. <laughs> That's right. Jesus looked at him and he said, hold your peace and come out of him. I never have been able to understand when people are working with people to get free, especially from demon possession, why they struggle so hard to get someone free. You have power over the enemy. I've shared the story. I could share many stories. I've shared the story a few times around here, but there's a lot of people probably that hasn't heard it. My first experience with casting the devil out of someone, what someone would call exorcism, I was 17 years old. I was preaching a, a meeting in Gore, Oklahoma. We were having a great revival. The power of God was really moving. We were having a great, great revival. And we were into our second week, and toward the end of the service, about half to three-quarters of the way back, there was this shriek. And, and, and this man just shrieked. I mean, just like, it, it wasn't like a yell. It wasn't like a holler. It was a shriek. And I could tell that it was demonic to begin with. So it was like a shriek. And so he comes out, and, and he gets in the aisle, and he starts slithering forward. And he gets up close to the front, and some of those good old saints, God bless their heart, I mean, it's the way they had been taught. They gathered around him, and for 45 minutes, they were, you know, uh, giving him showers of blessings, you know, what the showers of blessings are. It's when they say, praise him, brother, and the spit comes out. It's just, you know. And so they're gathered around, and it's just showers of, showers of blessings. And, and, and they're hollering, hang on. And some are hollering, turn loose. And some are speaking in tongues. And all of this, and they're hollering, come out, come out. I said, come out. I said, come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. I said, come out in the name. Ah, come out in the name of Jesus. And doing all this stuff. I'm 17 years old. I'm just sitting there watching it. Finally, I thought to myself, at 17 years old, the devil's having a time here. He's just partying with the saints. So I got down there and I told him, I said, everybody back up. And they backed up, and I got down there, and I whispered in his ear. And when I whispered, his body arched like that. And that demon screamed and came out of him. And then we began to pray, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of them old saints came to me, and they said, uh, What did you say to him? I said, I just got in his ear, and I said, I didn't talk to the man, I talked to the devil. I said, Demon... My name is Jonathan Vorse. I am a spirit-filled child of the Most High God. I know you know who Jesus is. And I'm telling you right now, shut your mouth and come out of this man. And the demon knew he didn't have a chance. Too many times we get involved in the spiritual calisthenics with the devil. You don't have to do jumping jacks over somebody for them to, give, to, to get free. You don't have to scream in their ear for them to get free. You just have to be prayed up before you whisper in the ear. That's all you have to do. And so this is basically what Jesus did here. Jesus said right here, hold your peace and come out of him. And the devil threw him in the midst, came out, and the Bible said, hurt him not. 
Have you ever seen someone when you're praying for them, all of a sudden the power of God will hit them and they'll go kind of like that? Well, that's pretty much what happened here. But it wasn't the power of God. It was the, it was the force of the enemy leaving his body that caused him to be thrown like that. So Jesus responded to the devil with eight words. Jesus didn't engage him in long conversations. Jesus rebuked Satan in the wilderness. Look at how much Jesus talked to Satan in Luke chapter 4 when Satan was tempting him in the wilderness. Jesus would give him one-liners. I love it. It is written, thou shalt, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Here's Satan doing all of this talking. Da, 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 da. And Jesus says, ah, you know what? You've been talking about this for the last 30 minutes. I'm telling you right now. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every uh, word of God. And then in verse number 8, Jesus finally just got tired of him. He said, get behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And Satan just kept up, and Jesus gave him one more line. He said, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus did not have long, protracted conversations with the devil. What are you talking to the devil like that for anyway? You think you're going to convince him that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me tell you something. He's already convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. But he knows that he doesn't have any power. And so Satan tries to engage you in conversation to create chaos and confusion in your life. And you need to tell him like Jesus did, hold your peace and get out of my life. Get away from me. All right. One word from God can change your life forever. You need to let God fight your battles. Let God fight your battles for you. The, the Word of God says this in James 4 and verse number 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Romans 12, 19 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so we see all of these things going on here. Jesus, He's, he's getting this man set free here. And then we go on and the Bible said that they were all amazed. Verse 36, Spake among themselves, What a word is this? For with authority and power He commanded the unclean spirits and they come out. Verse 37, And the fame of Him went out into every place of the country round about. He wasn't accepted in his own hometown, but he was accepted in Capernaum. And because of it, the Word of God tells us that he was able to do miracles and help people get set free. Verse 38, Peter's wife's mother, Peter's mother-in-law, she had a fever. And the Bible said that Jesus went in and prayed for her. I don't know if I would ask Jesus to pray for my mother-in-law if she had a fever or not, but Simon did. He did. I'm teasing. You know I'm teasing. All right. And the Bible said that Jesus just stood over her and what did he do? Look at I like how Jesus did this. Jesus didn't kneel down and pray big long prayers when it came to miracles. Jesus just, the Bible said he stood over her, rebuked the fever and it left her. He just stands over her. She's, got, she's laying there. She's got a fever. Jesus goes, stands over top of her and says, Fever, I rebuke you. Go in the name of Jesus. And the fever just leaves her. And then she gets up and the Bible said she ministered unto them. That means she made them dinner. She took care of them. The sun was setting and the Bible said they brought any that had sick, sick, sickness and disease, diverse diseases. They brought them to him. And I love this in verse number 40. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. He couldn't do anything in Nazareth 
but because of their faith in Capernaum, the Word of God said He laid His hands on every one of them, Danny. Every one. Every one of them. He laid His hands on all of them, and the Bible said He healed them. And verse 41, I like this too. It says, The devils also came out of many, crying out, saying... I mean, demons coming out everywhere, crying out, You're the Christ, the Son of God. And He rebuked them and said, Shut up! He suffered them not to speak. He told them, don't be speaking, for they knew that he was the Christ. So you got demons screaming and hollering, coming out of people, attesting to the fact that Jesus is actually the Son of God, and Jesus says, hold your peace. They already know that I'm the Christ, the Son of God. There's no reason for you to speak, devil. Jesus constantly put Satan in his place. And then Jesus goes to this desert place and he tries to get some rest. And the people found him and they came to him and they convinced him and they stayed. That means they pressed upon him that he would not depart from them. But then in verse number 43, here's what Jesus said. He said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. Can you imagine what would happen if we would let Jesus have His way in the cities across America today? Can you imagine that? We were in Jamaica this past week. I was talking to Bishop Johnson's second to oldest son, Keneal. He's never been to America. And uh, he's, uh, he's not a teenager anymore. He's not old, but he's not a teenager anymore. He's like a millennial type, maybe even a little older than that. And so he's like, well, I've never been to America. I don't know what it's like. He couldn't wrap his mind around the idea that there were actually roads here that had six lanes. It was just, he's like, there's not room for six lanes. I said, not in Jamaica, but in America, everywhere. And then I told him, I said, Keneal, I said, think about it. The city, that we live on the outskirts of a city, Tampa Bay, it has 3.4 to 3.5 million people. I said, there are more people in the city that we live in than there is in the entire nation of Jamaica. And he said, wow. I said, of course, the landmass is bigger. Florida's bigger than Jamaica, land-wise. Because Jamaica's 165 miles long and 25 to 40 miles wide, depending on where you are on the island. And there's somewhere around 3 million people now that are living on that island. Can you imagine... What would happen if we could just let, if the churches would get together and go after revival and go after a move of God just in the city of Tampa? I mean, they're so busy fighting for their own ground. They're so busy competing with one another. They're so busy, well, bless God, this is my community. This is my territory. The earth is the Lord's. It's not your territory. It's not my territory. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all of them that dwell therein. Jesus had a global heart. Jesus had an international heart. Please don't get offended at me, some of you that are, 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 are not Caucasian this morning. I want to make a statement here that I, I want to let you know. I want to let you in on some of the things I've been talking to our staff about. And, and I don't want anybody to get offended. But sometimes you've got to call it like it is. I looked at my staff here not too long ago and I told them, I said, we are too lily white. Amen. Our church is too lily white. 
If we're going to be an international church, if we're going to reach out, I mean, we've got all these flags up here that represent nationalities in our church or places where we have a presence doing mission work. But if we are really seriously interested in, in capturing the heart of Jesus, then it's a global heart. Jesus likes everybody, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. And we've got to expand our focus. We've got to expand our focus. We've got to expand our heart. We have to let the heart of Jesus come inside of us. Jesus said, I've been called to other cities also. I'd like to stay here in Capernaum. The ministry is accepted in Capernaum. Miracles are taking place in Capernaum. Demons are coming out in Capernaum. Lives are being changed and transformed in Capernaum. But this is a global message. This is a global gospel that needs to go all around the world. And so he said there, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. What did he say I'm going to preach? He said, I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. We uh, had a van setting out here for a few years. We kept saying, would someone please volunteer to drive the church van? We have people that want to come to church. And nobody would drive it. They came up with all kinds of excuses. We had people that said that they would fix it. There were a few things that were wrong with it, said that they would fix it if somebody would drive it. But there was all kinds of excuses. So one day, we're sitting here in the office working, and this group of three ministers, and a really old minister and a couple other ministers, came by. <laughs> And I can't even remember how they got here. I don't even remember how they got on the property. But they were here. And so we're walking out there, and the van was sitting in the same place that it had been sitting. It was a Ford F-350, 15-passenger window van, big beast-type van. And this guy, he looks at me, three-quarter ton van, and he looks at me and he says, the old guy, he says, what are you doing with that van? I said, it's been sitting there for about two years. He said, are you ever going to use it? Uh, pastor, he called me Bishop. Bishop, are you ever going to use it? I said, well, we've been asking someone to step up and drive it, and no one would ever drive it. And I said, so I told him, we're just going to give it to a mission if someone doesn't step up and drive it. Some of you will remember that. And he got all excited. He said, that's why God brought me here. I thought, oh boy, here we go. I said, <laughs> I said well, what do you mean by that? He said, I'm over here from Belize. From Belize. And he said, we need a van for our ministry. And he said, Bishop, if you'll give us that van, he said, we'll use it every day for God. So I got together with the elders and I said, we have a hunk of metal out here. Because that's all it is to us, evidently, at the time. And I said, uh, and it can be used for God. It can be used for the glory of God in the country of Belize, may I give it to them? And they said, let's do it. And we gave it to them. And every now and then I'll get a little message from him, van still going. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the global heart of Jesus. I think that's the global heart of God. You see, Jesus said, I gotta go preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore, Am I sent? 
He said, I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's system and God's ways of doing things. God's system and God's ways of doing things is that He operates by faith. God operates by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to believe God. For him that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, why did Jesus say, I must go to cities? How come Jesus didn't say, I need to go to the country? Can God move in the country? Absolutely, God can move in the country. But why did Jesus say, go to cities? The reason is because Jesus was always where there were large groups of people. Because what happens in a large group of people has a tendency to filter into the countryside. So Jesus said, I need to go to other cities also. Jesus was always where the people were. He was always where the people were. And Jesus knew that if He could communicate the kingdom of God to the cities, that the message would filter, once again, into the countries. Now let me say this. Jesus continues His calling through us. He continues that. We are His partners in the global communication of God's love. God has called us to be global-minded. We're loving locally, reaching globally. God has called us to be more globally-minded. We must be strategic in the proclamation and in the dissemination and in the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we think about Jesus was always where the people were, we have to ask ourselves today, so if Jesus was here in flesh and bone, and He is really through us, but if Jesus was here walking into in here through flesh and bone, where would Jesus be focusing His attention today? And the answer is very short. Number one, He would be focusing His attention where the people are. So where are the people today. So I've come up and I asked myself that question. I'm working on this over there in Jamaica. I'm sitting out there on the little balcony type thing and uh, it's raining over there in the distance and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, if, if, if Jesus was here today, what would He do? What would He do to reach people? First of all, Jesus said, My house shall be called the house of prayer. He said in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then while I hear from, get from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So I think the first thing Jesus probably would do is He would probably put together a global prayer force. Prayer always precedes great moves of God. Always. And so we, they would be praying for revivals. We need, to put the, we, need, we need to be involved in global prayer. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray for our missionaries. We need to pray for effective global strategies to reach the world. And then we need to look around and we need to say, now what is the number one tool that we can use today to reach people? Really, where are the people today? Are they in cities? Yes. Are they in countries? Yes. I'll tell you where most of them are. Right here. Let me say this loud and clear. If Jesus was walking the face of the earth today, He would be an Instagrammer. He would be on social media. <laughs> he would. He would. 
And he wouldn't be saying, we just finished dinner at Sister Spookendike's house. No, he would be using social media for the proclamation of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I shared this in Jamaica on Thursday night with some of the young people that was around there. I told them, I said, you guys are so used to people coming to you and doing for you. But did you know that if you never step foot off this island, you can still reach the world with what you have in your hand? And they're looking at me and I said, right there on your phone. So the number one tool for global impact today, listen to me, is no longer television. Amen. It's no longer television. We've had some very serious and long and strategic discussions about this in my family. It's not TV. The world today is on social media. They're on, inter on the internet. The older folks now are on Facebook. Facebook's too old for the young folks. The younger folks are on Instagram and Snapchat. A really good thing is YouTube because you can feed YouTube to anywhere you need to feed it. People can come to your YouTube page, but you can feed it to anywhere that you need to feed it. Why are you telling this, Pastor? Why are you telling us this? Here's why I'm telling you this. Because you need to spend, you need to tithe of the time that you spend on social media to God every day. What if you spent 10%, just 10% of the time that you're on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Google Plus, what if you spent just 10% of that time posting scripture, posting things, telling people God loves you, God cares about you, God can change your life. What if you spent just 10% of that time every single day doing that? I'm going to tell you what would happen. It would revolutionize the world. We're too busy putting our dirty laundry on social media. We're too busy popping on somebody on social media without mentioning their name. Somebody hacked into my account this past week and posted a little political thing. And you may use your uh, accounts for political things. I choose not to. You can if you want to, but I, I choose not to. Because there's too many people that I pastor and too many people that I minister to. I think that God's message is above whether you're Republican or whether you're Democrat or whether you're Independent or whether you're Libertarian or whether you're all of those kinds of things. And let me say it like this. Oh, Jesus, help me. I'm getting ready to get myself in trouble. You ready? But let me say it like this. Whether you're Republican or a Democrat, you should still stand against abortion. No person has the right to choose whether someone else lives or dies. That's number one, okay? And number two, <laughs> I'm really going to get myself in trouble. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you should stand against the redefinition of marriage God made of male and female. Amen. Now listen. 
A liberal would say, well, you're speaking to a partisan crowd. No, we're Christians. We stand for what the Word of God says. That's what we stand for. Whether you're a Republican or whether you're a Democrat, you should stand up for the Second Amendment. In America, we have the right to bear arms. Well, you're just getting political. No, I'm being biblical. I'm being biblical. You see, we've gotten to, the to, to a place in America today where you can't even stand up and preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ without being accused of being a bigot. But it's the Bible. It's what the Word of God says. And so I want to encourage you to just get on your Instagram, get on your Facebook, get on your LinkedIn, whatever. Take little segments... Maybe of the messages on Sunday or something. Nikki's starting to put little 10, 15, 20 second segments and just share them on your page. Put little tags on there. I, I told Nikki I needed some help with this. I don't know if she talked to Mark. I mean, can you guys help me with this or not? You can't? Okay. They don't know, they don't know what they're doing. I have to tell them how to do it. Okay. But make a little post. You guys see the little posts that I make sometimes. You know, uh, God, God cares more about your, about your future than He does your past. And I mean, I just, just little posts like that. Just lift people up. Put little tags on it. Put little hashtags on it. And it'll go a lot farther that way. I'm telling you, if Jesus was living on the earth today, He would be an Instagrammer. He'd be a Facebooker. He'd be a LinkedIn poster. He would. He'd probably have a Pinterest profile. And I know he would have a YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because Jesus was where the people are. It's the strongest platform today for the spreading of the gospel message. Now, let me ask you a few questions. You say, Pastor, you're meddling. No, I'm being a pastor. I love you. I'm trying to help you. If Jesus was to examine your social media pages today, what would he find? Woo, Pastor, you're meddling. No. Can people tell by looking at your social media pages that you're even a Christian? Mm. Or do they say something else about who you are? Did you know it's increasingly becoming more and more common for employers to go on your social media platforms to see the kind of people that you hang out with and the kind of person that you are before they make a decision on whether they should hire you or not? You know why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you've had a Facebook profile for 10 years, then for 10 years, your heart has been speaking to the world. So become a social media witness for Jesus and post life-giving content. Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogue of Galilee. And you say to me, Pastor, how in the world did you get Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and stuff? Out of verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Well, the reason is because 
Jesus went where the people were. And we should too. Amen? Let's stand. Come on, let's stand up. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number for Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.